Hi, I'm Chris. I'm an addict. And uh, I'm in recovery. I'm recovery of my disease of addiction. And it was a disease that nearly killed me and also just turned my life upside down. But today, uh, I am free from my addiction and I have it in remission, which is just the most amazing, amazing thing. And a lot of that has been due to learning and understanding the 12-step program as well as my own disease. And uh, that has been an amazing journey. But today, and this is the last session of this particular series of Why the 12-Step Program with, with uh, Daniel, we're coming up to the final episode, which is giving up your stress, humility, and rejection. And uh, yeah, this to me means a lot. And I'm dying again to hear uh, Daniel's version of this. So Daniel, tell me more. Chris, so good to see you. So good to be here, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Wow. So um, a life of addiction, active addiction, um, breeds a lot of guilt, breeds a lot of shame. And I talk about my own life now and just dig into why and where those things came from. Um, and how do you get over that? You know, um, the reality is from a young age, um, guys wanted to have sexual connotation and abuse with me, but wanted nothing to do with me in any public forum whatsoever or in any relationship. And so that constant rejection, love, loved and rejected, loved and rejected, and um, very deep rejection wounds. I mean, I'm one of four boys, and um, for whatever reason, when my mother was pregnant with me, the doctor said I was going to be a girl. Uh, so when I was born, lo and behold, I wasn't. I'm still not. I'm a male, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> I'm a man. And so this thing of rejection and shame, um, the lifestyle that I chose to lead, the places that I went, um, the person that I decided to be, um, and in, in, in full-on active addiction, um, bred a lot of shame, bred a lot of um, insecurity. And the rejection in relationships, because broken people hurt people, is that every relationship I would get to and when expectations would be broken down um, and I tend to have very high expectations on relationships, then the rejection would happen again. So it would be this people-pleasing and the minute the expectations would break down, there would be a breakdown in the relationship and a, and a parting of ways. And that ongoing rejection and even um, relationships where um, guys wanted to have the intercourse section of relationship without the relational part of relationship that ongoing year in and year out of superficial relationships uh, just bred incredible roots of rejection. And um, rejection asks the questions, uh, why? Why me? Why was I abused? Why was I violated? Why were my boundaries crossed? Why, why did it happen over and over again? Why did no one step in to help me? Why wasn't I saved from this? Why did God allow this to happen? And those questions I lived under for years and years and years and years, three decades of asking the questions. And there comes a time when you need to stop asking the questions. I've got something um, that no one else knows I've got, but I've got this, this box called the question box. And the further my recovery grows and the more I learn, the less I know. Because there are things in the world I can't explain. There is uh, abuse I can't explain. There is, um, you know, things happening, uh, trafficking, for instance, 
where children are being abused, if I even sense any of that, it, it holds back memories of, of being pushed down, you know, not being able to defend myself and, and, and being a victim of abuse. And so what do you do when rejection is so deep-rooted that you, well, I was destroying every relationship around me, even with my own wife, um, not being able to receive love because what does that even look like? Um, what does love even mean? The picture of love that I had was that you use me when you're done with me, I move on. I use you when I'm done with you, I move on. And that was the cycle of my life. And um, people are judgmental, um, starting already from school, like I said, not fitting a stereotype. I'm judged. I mean, I've been put in a box and I've thrown a label on me. And I, I tell you that the enemy wants nothing more than to label you uh, apart from actually who you are. Every single one of us were uniquely formed and fashioned and put on this earth as an expression of our higher powers, love into the universe. Um, even, you know, there's some text that speaks about none of us will be without excuse because nature itself screams of a creator. And so um, I know that on the NA program, we don't force any religion. We don't force any form of a higher power. But I must say that finding mine has been the most incredible journey of my life. And I want to I end with how I see he took our shame, how he took our rejection, how he took our nakedness. Because the bottom line is when you get caught, when you get caught out, you, you get exposed. And exposure, a lot of us are sorry we, we got caught out. We're not sorry we, we did what we did. So when I would use, it would be this secret life of use. And then when I was caught out, I was sorry that I was caught out but not sorry about the usage of the drugs and the, the chaos creating uh, around me. And I had every reason, and um, I think if you're listening and you've been hurt, you've got a reason. Yeah, you've got every use, reason to use, every reason to drink, every reason to, to escape. But I just got to this place where I don't, I don't want to use my past to destroy my future anymore. And I think that's a very important thing to, to understand. If I don't get healed from rejection, if I don't get healed from humility, if I don't get healed from shame, I continue to destroy my future. I cannot change my past. I cannot change what happened to me. And I cannot change the years I wasted, um, the things I lost, the relationships I destroyed. But I do have a hold on today. Um, one of the things I appreciate walking with Chris and through this program and um, what we what we talk about all the time is learning to break it down. Um, you know, you only have today. Tomorrow doesn't belong to you. Um, today you have to be faithful with your life. And I can say again, just getting those closest to me when I hurt my family, um, you see that the most. And that's where your shame really comes in. If you know you really blew it, you disappointed your kids, I missed three years of birthdays with my children. Um, I disappointed my wife. I, I would often have had an event arranged and addiction would have stolen that day. I would have often had a holiday planned and a relapse would have destroyed that. Or we would have been on a holiday and I would relapse and destroyed the, the, the event. And so my addiction destroyed so many events, so many um, things that we were looking forward to, so many days of my life were stolen. If I live in that place and in and, and the place of regret and the place of shame and, and the place of um, you know, humiliation, 
I'm never going to move forward. I had to get to a place, and uh, one of the steps is around taking ownership. You know, you got to own your stuff. You got to own what you did. You got to be able to write it down. Um, I, I was an avoider when it came to this. If you started to take me on about me, I would tell you all the reasons why I justify my behavior, why I'm allowed to use, why I can escape, why I want to die, why I don't want to live anymore, how many people hurt me, um, how many people destroyed my life and took advantage of me. When I lived in that space, I wasn't growing, I wasn't going anywhere, and, and I honestly didn't have anybody around me that wanted to help me anymore because you know, that toxic place in my mind had become a reality that people ran away from. Yeah, that's very true. And I mean, I relate also going back to, to you know, this whole thing of giving up your rejection. I mean, the point is, it's, as I've learned in my own journey, uh, I've, and I've been able to question it rather than, rather than not understanding it. I've been able to question it and, and get an answer that allows me to accept certain things that I had done and certain things that I still live with that I needed to, I still do need to discover. But it's the ability to recognize them. And, and, and so the triggers of rejection, you know, um, I know that uh, through my schooling of, of, of being sent to boarding school at a very early age, it was an abandonment to me, but I didn't understand it as abandonment, you know. Um, and then having been at the schools learning about rejection because I was uh, seen to be the stupidest kid in the school, which they didn't hold back on telling me every day, that I was lazy and stupid. Um, and, and these sort of things of rejection uh, from people made me get to a place of huge vulnerability. But I haven't, you know, I've, I've, I've understood it today, what happened, and I've been able to talk about it openly. But the, the, I still get, when I get rejected, and I think normal people have this, when they get uh, rejected, they go into uh, a lack of, uh, well, what's wrong with me, and am I not good enough, and all these sort of things that come into play, and are very destructive, very destructive to, to me as a person. And the same goes with all the other triggers. Uh, I become very defensive um, because I'm, I'm protecting something that happened a long time ago but seems to be brought into the present. And thank goodness I've learned how to deal with these senses of, of rejection uh, and why I feel it today still and fearful of it. Um, because the rejection was what actually got me to a place of losing my own identity and thinking I was not worthy at all. Um, and then today have come through this program, the 12-step program, which is what we're talking about, to love myself. Um, I could not be able to do what I'm doing here now. I could not do what I do in reaching out to other addicts unless I love myself because you know, I, I, it's not the right mindset to be in. You can't, you can't genuinely reach out to somebody if you don't love yourself. And I've learned to love myself through my higher power, who has, you talk about grace. Um, I didn't, I didn't reckon, I was atheist <clears throat> and then became agnostic. Um, and I stayed agnostic for 15 years in my recovery. And yet God's grace was, let him do this. He believes in a higher power. And 
he allowed me to go through that and then find him. Uh, I didn't necessarily, he actually showed up. But only at the time that was right for me. And to me, that's a mind blow. But because of all those things, I can tell you for a lot of my recovery, I was a dry drunk. Uh, I was, uh, my first marriage, I believe, collapsed because of my behavior of dry drunkness and, and all of that. Um, and when I got back onto the program, even though I hadn't used, uh, and I began to surrender much more, um, and it was just amazing to be able to let go of certain things and trust in this power greater than myself would, would handle it. And as, I, as Daniel has said and as I said, I've, I've now had the amazing thing of having my higher power reveal himself to me. And in my case, it's Jesus Christ, and that's amazing as it will be for anybody else, you know, who has a higher power and their higher power reveals, reveals themselves to themselves. So it's, it's, it's an amazing journey, this. And the shame that I had, uh, you know, giving up the shame. Yeah, I, I had a lot of shame in what I had done to people. I still do. Uh, my, my other addiction that became very clear was, was sex addiction. Um, and I didn't see it as an addiction. I just thought it's what guys do. Um, I mean, that's so arrogant in itself in just making that statement because uh, I, I, I think I thought I was God's gift to women. Um, and I was wrong. I was very wrong. Um, and today I look back on the attitude that I had towards other human beings as objects for my own need, like I did with drugs, uh, <clears throat> I think was one of the most shameful things that I've had to deal with in hurting so many people just for my own satisfaction was, was hectic. So, yeah, anyway, there we are. That is the end of this particular series, and it's been an amazing thing to listen to how the 12-step program and what you've learned so far from the program, um, Daniel, and also from, obviously, your people you're accountable to, as well as your groups, and as well as the, the fellowships that you've been involved in. And, and I know for a fact I could not be sitting here unless I had... First of all, my higher power. Secondly, I had the support of the groups that I'm involved in, particularly Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, and the ability to be able to speak freely about my other addictions, being sex and pornography, and, and, and not having people judge me and being able to sit here freely talking about it. And surprisingly enough, instead of people shaking their heads, they have been, um, they've been amazingly generous in loving me for admitting these issues that I've had. And the biggest thing about it is that as long as I'm prepared to change, um, that's what makes the difference in all of this. Anyway, so there it is. Thank you so much, uh, Daniel, for everything you've done over this particular series. And I know that it's going to change a lot of people's lives and a lot of elements where people can start talking about things that they didn't think they could talk about. Uh, that revealing this uh, internal pain that they know has always been there and always lived it and never been able to understand it and have constantly tried methods of coping with something that you can't explain. And today I can say that because of the 12-step program, I'm proud to be a recovering addict. I'm, I'm glad that I became, I mean, it's not glad, I had a hell of a time, but I'm to have been an addict as, as I was and the behavior that came through to him, what the program has done for me in my life uh, to change it and to become the human being that I am today 
are chalk and cheese. And I just know that is the grace of God that's done that for me. And uh, it's something that people turn, turn around and think once they've had a few months of recovery, they don't need the program. Um, they don't want to be part of this and they don't want to be seen and labeled as an addict because they're shameful. Uh, and, and it's not about being shameful. It's about accepting that we have a condition that we didn't choose to have and how we can learn to not be manipulated by the disease to having to serve it the whole time in fulfilling its requirements for us to have a peace in our own bodies. And that is where the addiction was my higher power. It just ruled me according to the way it wanted me to feed it. And it would do anything to do that and probably would have killed me in the end. But today I've got a higher power that is just unconditional in, in his love to me, of which now I have become a human being where I have learned to love me. So with that, guys, fantastic. And thank you for joining us on this on this podcast uh, episode uh, and series. And I just want to wish you all the best and to keep listening and keep being prepared to be open-minded, be prepared to look at the similarities of some of these stories, not the differences. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to wrap this up by the usual and just to make sure that you stay safe and remember, keep it clean. <laughs>